Well, hello there and welcome to HR Tech Chat. I am Jennifer Dole, your co-host today. I'm introducing Pamela as my co-host because we have such a great time doing these podcasts that we've just said we're going to do one a month and we're going to have some great conversations. So Pamela, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. (laughs) So we've got a promising conversation for you today. We're going to talk about skills and we're going to get real about skills. Um, And as Pamela and I are going to get, get into the details, it's skills from looking inward and skills looking outward. And what are the real use cases for that? So Pamela, why don't you start us off with just some context setting about what you're reading? Uh, I'd be happy to. And you know, Jen, always at the beginning of these, we try to give people some flavor of the market. And I feel like, okay, now here's the depressing part. Here it comes. And the reality is, and and of course, Burning Glass Institute and Gad Levinon, who does a marvelous research there, just published um, a research report on really what's happening in the talent market and the availability of talent. And let me just share, you know, some of, I think this gives you a great background to understand why we can't find the people we need to fill open jobs. So first of all, and this should shock no one, um, that the working age population is shrinking. It's been shrinking every year um, and uh, at little to no growth. So starting in 2012, um, we had 0.5% growth in the working age population. And then um, that started slowing to 0.2% growth Mm. starting in 2017. And that trend's gonna continue through 2030. So I think suffice to say, whoever those 0.2% people are, that uh, we're probably at, you know, close to zero growth in that. And, and is that because the the baby boomers that are getting to, ready to retire, there's just not enough people to replace them in the workforce? Well, one of the ways they look at that, and I thought this was so insightful, they look at the number of people that are 17 that are turning 18 that could fully enter the workforce. And then they look at the number of people 65 that might be leaving the workforce. And whenever you have a situation where you have um, fewer 17s turning to 18 and more 65 leaving, um, you have this situation of nearly zero workforce growth, Mm -hmm. the 0.2% or less. Now, Here's the other thing about that, and this is this is something that's been talked about quite a bit in the market, and it's being talked about more. Um, it's being talked about in the U.S. It's being talked about in Europe, you know. And we mentioned it last time about unretiring retirement. Yes, the fastest growing segment of the workforce is 65 and over. Mm-hmm. Now, when you ask people how long you want to work, you know, for years. You grew up thinking, well, people all retire at 65. Well, they don't want to. They don't have to. There's plenty of work. And there's a lot of evidence to say that when you hire someone 65 and over, they're more loyal. They're more committed. That they produce great results. That they um, actually take less time off. 
and they have lower healthcare costs. And people say, well, how could they have lower healthcare costs? Well, um, because by that point, you know, their kids are out of the house, you know, nope. nobody's, nobody's coming down with a cold every other week. They don't have to take time <laughs> off for that. And so, and so, yeah, um, you know, there are a lot of advantages to the 65 and over worker. And of course, their experience and yeah. their ability to teach and, and uh, grow coach. talent in the organization yep. and to coach is really, uh, really um, something that can make a huge difference. And again, you know, it, it's talked about, it seems like a weekly basis, but looking at the 65 and older population, whether you want to look at them as full-time workers or contract workers or project workers um, is a great source of talent. And so what we know from the research at Burning Glass is that there's not going to be this big infusion of people coming in anytime soon, that's going to, you know, automatically start filling all these open jobs. Yeah. And uh, years ago, I read a study where they said, you know, demographically speaking, they don't see any signs of easing till 2050. Mm. So think about that. You're talking about, you know, 26 more years. And, um, and I'd like to think that we would be able to solve some of this uh, before 26 years are up. So, um, so yeah, I think there are creative ways that people can look at this. And, you know, if you look at what's being talked about in the skills marketplace, people are talking about setting it up for their organization. How do they write job descriptions internally that are skills-based and not necessarily your traditional job description? How do they um, look at a role and talk about the work and not just, you know, this person is a director of customer service. They look at what does a director of customer service do and what yeah. are the skills that you need to do that. And so creating that skills-based organization is something that many people are talking about, but many people are, are not grasping it because it feels like too much work. It's a lot of work and um, and here's another daunting um, you know parcel of truth <laughs> that and and again, you know, people kind of push these out in the market and and uh, less what it's thought that less than 12% of the companies that have the capability to do a skills marketplace internally are actually doing it because it is a lot of work and you have a lot of challenges. And we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to reskilling. But I want to talk about skills from the outside in for a moment and what's going on in the marketplace that I think could radically change hiring for skills. So I want to talk about um, a story actually coming out of Cleveland Clinic. And they partnered with an organization called 110 and 110 partnered with Grads of Life. By the way, I love that Grads of Life. Yeah, I think that's I'm, pretty I, cool. I think I'm a grad of life on so many levels. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so many levels. But um, what 110 is, and I love the commitment and the follow through. It's a coalition of leading CEOs um, that they have a commitment to upskill to hire and promote 1 million Black individuals who do not 
have a four-year degree. And they want to grow them into family-sustaining jobs with opportunities for advancement over 10 years, hence 110. And what I like about that, and, and Cleveland Clinic has used 110 in Grads of Life to actually begin looking at their talent pipelines and, and filling jobs that way. And what I like is they put the caveat in there that it's family sustaining role. So you don't have to work three jobs to pay yes. the rent anymore, to pay the house payment. And, and it's just a phenomenal approach and it's, it's wildly successful. Oh, my notebook dropped. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> um, you know, when you're live, these things happen. Yes, they do. <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> so, so what they did is first of all, um, they're changing how they're going to the market. When they have job fairs, they invite people that don't have a degree. And they talk about how you could really start as a nursing assistant and eventually grow to become an RN through their program. Um, they have a lot of roles where they're apprentice type roles. So you can come in, you can start kind of at the beginning of learning uh, what that work is, and then grow over the course of a year, two years, three years, five years into more senior roles in the hope that within 10 years, you know, you're looking at a senior role in the organization, maybe a role that they used to say, this is a role for somebody that has a four-year degree. So are they starting without a college education, yes. getting job exposure and then is part of the program to get the college education or is it just the experience? It's really the experience. It's essentially the best on the job training. And mm -hmm. yes, when you look at can somebody, how does somebody go from, you know, nursing assistant, assistant to an RN, of course, there's education and training in that. And then each organization does it differently. Like here in Chicago, by the way, everyone, I live in Chicago. Um uh, they have at Rush uh, University at their hospital, they have a program where you could start out as um, a, a nursing assistant and eventually grow into the RN degree. And they help supplement um, the, your education, your, the paying you for, for doing that. And you have a job while you're doing it and they help you with the education costs as well. So essentially- mm -hmm. They're now building their pipeline of our, which I love that. I love that. And when you put that against what Gad said, that the roles where we're going to see the biggest gaps are, you know, support roles in healthcare, you have to say, we've got to start solving this problem today. This isn't going to fix itself right. by 2030. We have to start solving it today. So um, essentially, you know, 110 in Grads of Life at Cleveland Clinic created something called career mobility through apprenticeship. So you can think about many of, they identified which roles and, and many of the roles that they had, you could apprentice mm -hmm. and learn on the job and then fully occupy that role over time. And um, it's just been a fabulous approach for them to hire uh, into their organization. And, um, you know, for them, it's the biggest shift is the shift to skills-based hiring. Yes. And it's not a job description anymore. It's really what skills does someone need to do this work? So don't think of the big description, think about 
the work, what's the work that needs to be done, what actually gets delivered from this work, what's the outcome, and what kind of skills do you need to um, create that outcome. Um, and, you know, one of the things I like about what they did is they actually looked at all their roles and um, they said that they could identify more than 2,000 roles that could be skills first. Now, Incredible. I'm like, that is incredible. It's an incredible story. And, uh, you know, I, I look at that and I'm like, why isn't everybody doing this? You know, there are gaps in healthcare organizations across the country. Why are we not all looking at skills first? Why are we not all looking at organizations like One Tan? Or my second story organization is all about STAR. Now, and for those that we go there, I, oh, I sure. just want to say regarding skills, there's so much conversation around it, mm -hmm. but the Cleveland Clinic example is like one of the best stories that I've heard oh, in yes. terms of getting real about skills. And the yeah, I, I like the, the getting real part to me was they identified a problem, meaning they have gaps where they have roles they couldn't fill. Yep. And the way that maybe traditionally organizations went to market wasn't helping fill those roles. And so they looked at how do we get uh, the work done? How do we attract great talent? How do we make a promise to people that we are here for the entirety of your career. Yes. I mean, think about, you know, everyone talks about today, like loyalty and whether or not, you know, you can retain people. If you want loyalty, train someone to have a great job and then pay them well. And have a great career. And have a great career. That's loyalty. I mean, I don't care what study you read when you go back to the original Deloitte 20, you know, future 2020 study. What did they say? 86% of people leave a job for lack of career development. Well, this yeah. solves that. And I love what Cleveland Clinic did. And um, if you're interested in learning more about that story, they wrote up the entire case study and you can go to the 110 uh, website and download the entire case study and what they did and how they did it. And I think that's just an important story to tell. And um and I think it's going to serve them well for years to come. I mean, now this is this is their recruiting strategy. This yeah. is their development strategy. Um, this is how do we support our people strategy? And and I I think it's it's a brilliant was a brilliant move. It, brilliant. it comes together so well. It really it does. does. It um, does for people and for healthcare. It does, and and think about. How many times do you see an article in a week about there's just not enough people in healthcare? More yeah. people are leaving nursing now than they ever thought would leave nursing. And people say, oh, it was the pandemic. Well, maybe, but it also speaks to what the opportunity was, what the challenges are, and the fact that people are saying, hey, I don't want to come in and do two jobs and get paid for one because they don't have enough help. I mean, right. there's, a, there's a reality there that says we need more capability and we need more help in nursing roles. And so where is that going to come from? And Cleveland Clinic has has solved that. But um, they yeah. also, there's, there's a kind of another connection to 
skills and looking at skills from the outside in. And that's with STARS. And STARS is skilled through alternative routes. Now, what I like about STARS is it begins to address some of the big challenges in the marketplace. Like 50% of the people in the workforce today have developed their skills through things like military service, going to community college, Mm -hmm. job training or on the job experience. And right now there are 70 million workers that don't have a bachelor's degree. Wow. That um or they and it's estimated 60% of the workers don't have a bachelor's degree and and 70% of workers or 70 million workers would could potentially be part of STAR. Mm. So so what does STAR do? Well, STAR is about looking at people's skills instead of just looking at what kind of paper they have. Do they have a college yeah. degree? And STAR also had this campaign, which I loved. And there are so many commercials online you can look at. Uh, Ogilvy helped them do these, um, these uh, videos. It's uh, basically... Um, it's around uh, looking at how you could come into STAR, how you could tear the paper ceiling. And that's the whole campaign, tear the paper ceiling. Love that. <laughs> I know, I love that. How you can come into STAR and you can grow your skill base and you can grow your career. And um, one of the things about STAR as well is they have resources. If mm -hmm. you don't know where to start, with skill-based hiring, um, they have put a playbook out on their website. It's the playbook for STAR. It's a playbook for skills-based hiring. So they teach you how to adopt skills-based hiring. They define, help you define a hiring strategy for mm -hmm. skills-based hiring, which I love. And um, they focus a lot on teaching people how to write a position description for skills rather than a traditional job description. And I think that help, can help uh, tremendously in the marketplace. And so we have more and more organizations hopefully moving in this direction. And, you know, the election cycle last November had an impact as well in that in Pennsylvania, when the new governor was elected, the first thing he did is he took the four-year degree requirement out of state job job descriptions. Incredible. Same thing happened in Illinois um, with Governor Pritzker, took that out of there. So all of a sudden we're able to look at people's skills as, oppo as opposed to if you don't have this bachelor's degree, you're not even getting in to the interview process. And everybody knows if you have any kind of, um, you know, hiring CRM or any kind of, uh, any kind of recruiting uh, technology yep. uh, that oftentimes it can screen people out because they don't have a degree. Yeah. Tearing the paper ceiling is about tearing the paper ceiling. It's not about the degree. It's what people can learn. It's what people can do. And um, and also let, let's talk about diversity and inclusion for exactly. a moment. Exactly. I was going to go. I mean, hello, hello. You can expand the diversity of your workforce. You can be more inclusive. You can create belonging by using some of these tools that these organizations have developed um, in how you go to market for talent. And let's face it, if there's 
pretty much zero growth in um, the number of people labor uh, pool. In, the, in the labor pool, you're going to have to do something more creative than what you're doing today. There's no question. You're going to have to do something more creative. Um, and so I want to mention one other organization because I'm not sure how much people have heard about this. Um, there are CEOs and companies that have signed up and said, I'm all for this. I want to go down this road. And it's called Business Roundtable. And it has the commitment of 200 CEOs um, that they will focus on hiring and development through skills. They're committed to skills hiring, skills-based hiring, and skills-based development. Now, think about that. 200 CEOs. That's phenomenal. It and they're is. developing resources. Again, you can go to Business Roundtable and look at their resources and look at how they share resources amongst the companies because they do. And um, and again, they're opening up more opportunity for talent pipelines. Um, they're opening up more opportunity internally as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that has an impact on retention, obviously. And so they they are really committed to, we're going to focus on skills, we're going to help develop people, and we're going to help give people a skill base um, that they can uh, grow over a period of time into senior level roles that we used to require a degree for. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think, you know, you've said this throughout all the conversations that we've had, but, you know, to fix the doom and gloom and have the sun come out, yeah. it's really about getting creative. It is, it is. And about organizational commitment to not doing things the way we've always done it. Absolutely. And, and you know, so, so where are we with this conversation? So how do we get past this? The labor pool isn't growing. Well, guess what? There are a lot of people 65 and over that want to work. They want to work 15 more years, 17 more years, 18 more years. And they have the skills. They have the capabilities. They can work in a number of different scenarios, contract, project, full-time. Yeah. Um, and so let's look at that population. Let's look at 110 and let's look at how we can help develop people that would have been overlooked otherwise. And let's look at how we can be part of that commitment to develop that 1 million um, Black workers so they can take on um, greater responsibility roles over the course of their career through skills development. Let's look at STAR, um, Skilled Through Alternative Routes. Let's look at people that have been working at jobs. They don't have the degree. They've been working at jobs. They've been getting paid less, of course, um, and that they can broaden their skill set and grow with a career path in an organization. And one of the key things that people do um, when, when they create these career paths through skills is they identify jobs that are gateway jobs. That says if this person comes in and takes this job, this is a gateway job to all of these other jobs. And so they, they learn at that role. And then when the next role comes open, they have a lot more opportunity because they've done the gateway jobs. And, you know, they're, 
basically star says there are about 30 jobs that can turn the tide of talent mobility for uh, people mm. using skills as part of development. And so I, I think it's so important to, if you're running talent acquisition, what is your skills approach, um, skill-based hiring, but skill-based hiring maybe with partnering with Grads of Life, maybe partnering with 110, maybe partnering with STAR. And there's so many resources that these organizations put out there that take a look because it can help. Business Roundtable, when you've got the commitment of CEOs, Business right. Roundtable um, has huge commitment across a number of industries. And, you know, one of the things I always look at the news before we talk. So what's in today's news? Guess what? We don't have as much manufacturing talent as we need. Now, I don't know how this qualifies as news because we've known that for a while. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But what they said was, is the way we can fix it is by hiring more women into manufacturing and making it easier for women to take manufacturing jobs. Well, to me, that is the case study for STARS. That yeah. is the case study maybe for Business Roundtable, um, maybe for 110. It depends on, on your organization and what you're trying to do. But there are ways that you can close those gaps in manufacturing and healthcare and um, frontline work and retail. And you can- So many industries. Opportunities for people. So many industries. So many industries. Well, now, Pamela, you have given us some great resources and we will provide links to them in the notes to this podcast so that everyone can find them easily. Mm -hmm. And you've given us some incredible use cases for really using skills and skill-based hiring and, and what it is. Um, so thank you so much for, for going through that with us today. Oh, you're and welcome. It's always my pleasure to, to host with you. Yeah, sparking some thoughts for people. So we'll be back again next month with another um, exciting conversation for you. And for today, we hope that you've got some inspiration to think about your talent pipeline in a different and more creative way. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.